Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Dave, it's mojo time again. Yes, it is. It's been a, a quick two weeks since the, our last one of these. I, I know it has been for me. We've done a lot in the last two weeks, together yep. and on our own, I think. Yep, absolutely. Well, what you been up to in your model sphere? Well, life's been busy, and uh, I, I did take the time to turn lemons into lemonade. Uh, this past week, my youngest daughter had surgery. Uh, up in Dayton, Ohio, which necessitated being up up in Dayton for a couple of days and basically trapped in either a hospital room or a hotel room. The surgery went fine. Daughter's fine. Everything's fine. I didn't get over to the Air Force Museum, which I would have loved to have done, but that just wasn't in the cards given what we were doing. But I did actually do a little advanced planning so that while I was in the hotel room, I had stuff to do that was model-related. Uh, I got the latest issue of our club newsletter laid out. I finished reading two or three magazines that, I don't know about you, but magazines tend to stack up for me. So I got a few of those read. Uh, I've got a lot of model-adjacent stuff done. I wasn't in, in the house, in the model room, so I didn't get a lot of modeling stuff done, but I did manage to um, do a lot of, lot of model-adjacent stuff. Instead of sitting there staring at a TV or uh, you know flipping on my phone and looking at stupid things like Twitter, I actually planned a little bit, and it worked out. So I'm feeling a little bit righteous about it. Now I've got to see if I can continue that trend. How's your model sphere? Uh, well, you know, it's been pretty, pretty good. I've managed here very recently, as we just talked about, got a couple of uh, our next interviews lined up and uh, we had fun at a show last weekend or weekend before last. And we'll, yes. get, to, we'll get to that later. Another, yep. you know, got another show under our belt for 2021. That's right. Uh, two, two already. Just uh, you know, and the, the uh, some more stuff we're going to need for Las Vegas has come in over the last couple of weeks, and we're hopefully set up now for a pretty uh, functional table setup. Have you found a couple of cute female roadies for us? No, I haven't. That probably okay. wouldn't wouldn't go over too well. Yeah, you're probably right. The model wife would object. Well, we could take them, but yeah, they probably got rather be doing something else. They would than uh, hawking for plastic model mojo. Yeah, that's about it, really. I haven't done a whole lot else other than uh, taking care of their table cover and get some new mic stands and stuff like that. So yeah, there we go. What uh, modeling fluid have we got lined up tonight? Well. Listeners may not know, but uh, we just got back from uh, Charleston, South Carolina area the other night from a few days down there in the low country. I love it down there, man. I've, we've, I went on a, we went on our honeymoon down there and I've been back almost, I don't know, we've probably been down there 10 times since then. My wife just had her first Charleston overnight uh, just recently, had never been to the city and uh, 
she had 18 hours. So she took a uh, Great Line tour, Charleston tour of the city and really enjoyed it and enjoyed the food down there as well. Well, I'm drinking from a Holy City Brewing right there in Charleston, uh, just their Pilsner. We were looking for something we could uh, enjoy in the heat and sun down there, and I picked up a 12 of this, and uh, it's pretty good. I'm I'm proud of you for having any of them left. Uh, this is the last one. <laughs> ah, okay. So I, I drank five down there, I think, and just about to finish this one. Well, good. And in addition to that, I'm still got a little... Uh, half-filled shooter of the uh, bourbon from last episode over here. Just trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. I still don't like it. <laughs> but it's it has me perplexed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Well, you'll be thrilled to know that tonight I am drinking... Gumball head. Man, he knows it by the sound of, <laughs> of opening the can. <laughs> that's just a lucky guess. <laughs> Okay, you got to edit the lucky guest part out where people think you know the sound of a gumball head by the way the can opens. But yes, indeed, uh, this is the last of a 12-pack of gumball head that uh, I got. This morning. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, what else is there to say? It's gumball head. It's great beer. It's really great beer in the summer. It is a really good beer if you're out in the yard, listening to On the Bench while you're cutting your lawn with your riding lawnmower, it's a great beer to drink then. So, uh, yep, I, I hate to repeat myself, but if I'm going to repeat myself, I'm going to do it with this. Well, it's good in the fall, spring, and winter, too. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it is particularly good as a summer outdoor beer. Well, that gets you through your yard work since On the Bench dropped late. Yes, it did. Uh, it did. I sent Dave Goldfinch a note and let him know that uh, I missed having a, an episode this past weekend to cut the grass to, but uh, I managed to get through the yard work even without it. Well, hopefully their crappy weather's over with. Yes, absolutely. Well, the mailbag's got a few uh, contributions this week. Well, good. Let's hear from the from the listeners. Well, before we get to that, uh, let's take a moment here to say that we've uh, we've banned our first person from the Facebook page, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, the last. <laughs> it was about what? It's been a year and a half. I guess that's yeah. a pretty good, given social media and the internet these days. If you can go a year and a half without getting a troll, you know that's. I guess that's pretty good. Well. We won't get too far into it, but uh, just some uh, unnecessarily rude and opinionated remarks. Just a lot of bad tact. Turns out it's the same French Canadian that bombed uh, our friends over at Plastic Posse Podcast after their second or third episode. Remember that? Yep. <laughs> so I guess this guy's just working on getting by banned by every well, uh, modeling podcast. Apparently he's a Mission Models Paint fanboy and everybody's doing it wrong with whatever advice they're given. So, oh, okay. Whatever. Uh, he shall not be named other than uh, Monsieur Conard Stupide. <laughs> <laughs> Your French needs some work. Yes. Conard. And he's a big one. Yeah. So let's, let's hear from the people that we want to hear from. Okay. Enough of that. Raymond LeGrant from Ware, Massachusetts. Now, we'd heard from him before. I think he was wanting to know about painting not pure white or pure black. Uh, right. But apparently he had submitted a goof, gaff, and blunder way back when I first started soliciting them, and somehow we missed it. Well, I know how we missed it. The subject line missed my filter. Anyway, 
he wants to know if it wasn't good enough for the show. He understands, but uh, it's our show. But that's not the case, Raymond. I assure you, had my filter been a little more broad, I would not have missed it. And we would have got you on for sure because it's a pretty good one. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. <laughs> Well, Ray was doing some airbrushing and uh, was uh, going to do the old back flush thing, you know? Yep. Cover up the end of the airbrush and back flush the air back through the paint cup and flush out the nozzle. Yep. Uh, only the nozzle cap wasn't on the airbrush. Ooh. So uh, it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, a diabetes test. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a co- he got his COVID jab. <laughs> so Ray ran his needle through his finger. Oh, God. And those things are sharp. Yeah. I mean. But they get kind of big, too, so it's a pretty pretty good wound in the end. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And as my sister, the doctor, will tell you, penetrating wounds are, in many cases, more painful and tougher to heal than any sort of cut. So, Ray, we didn't forget you. Well, we just overlooked you, and that's a good one. So, modelers, modeling safety, that'd be a whole nother. uh, Yes. Another episode. I would love to know if he had had any modeling fluid at the time to lead him to forget that the cap wasn't on the the airbrush. Well, uh, he'll have to answer that for us. (laughs) The next one's all the way from Sweden. All right. Sam Hegblad. I hope I'm saying that right. Using my German uh, enunciation there, but uh, it might be a little different. You know, he's got an episode in Sweden now, in Swedish. Oh, really? You mean a podcast? A podcast, yeah. Well, he doesn't, but there is one he can listen to. Oh, really? He doesn't have to work on his English, which may be pretty good, according to this email. It looks like it's pretty good. He's got three or four projects going on at a time, and, and just uh, send us some kudos, really, and send us some photographs as well. Well, that's cool. Uh, listen, I'm, I am amazed at the reach we have in the non-English-speaking world. We've got listeners in nearly every country now. I know a lot of people learn English and speak English, even if English isn't their native tongue, but it amazes me the the number of people and the number of different countries we have who listen. Well, and it looks like he does a lot of 35th scale armor too. So, and he's from a military family. Oh. So he's got a lot of tie in there. Well, and we had an article published in Swedish, right? Right. And it ended up somehow this pod, uh, this Swedish podcast came out of that. Oh, cool. Is there some connection there? Yeah. Maybe they, maybe they, well, I don't know. Sam will have to tell us. There you go. And he sent us some photographs too, and I'm still working on the gallery perpetually, <laughs> perpetuity. Christopher Baines from Bulldog Models, which you mentioned last time. Now, right. He, he's the guy doing the 3D printing. Have you ever got on his website? No, I have not. You should. He's got a lot of 3D printers. Really? And uh, he's making a lot of this, uh, you know, bench topic accoutrement kind of stuff yeah and and those oh i have wait i've seen something of his on facebook i think well anyway he appreciated the shout out and asked if there's anything he could do to repay our kindness and uh just thanking us for it does probably uh you just did chris right right it just just keep cranking out stuff there's that's useful to modelers i'm telling you uh, I'm sitting here looking at my bench right now. I've got a 3D printed Tamiya glue bottle holder. I've got 3D printed Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Microset holder. There are a lot of, of at benchtop applications for 3D print. No, oh, there is. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Walters. Brandon Walters from, uh, well, he just lists Canada. 
It's a big place. Yes, it is. It says he just listened to our podcast about goose gaffs and blunders, and uh, he should have piped up it, his story at the time, but uh, didn't think to in time. Um, <laughs> he was putting LEDs into a machining Krieger a mecha kit and yeah. uh, was soldering wires in a confined space. Mm-hmm. With his dad's old 1970s vintage uh, soldering iron with a half-inch diameter rod on the end. Uh-oh. <laughs> and uh, his arm got a bit too tired and wobbly. Mm. And now there's a burned hole in, in the underarm of the model. That's <laughs> battle damage. Well, it's uh, apparently he's keeping it concealed by the posing of the figure now. Smart move. You know, we'll talk about that more later. Uh, when we talk about Wonderfest, but the 3D lighting and wiring and all of models that is that has come such a such a long way. Oh yeah, and Wonderfest sure showed that. Yes, uh, and we made a little comment about music last time. Brandon likes the 90s and early 2000s alternative rock. I'm into some of that as well, and he's also into big band swing. Well, you know what I've been speaking of that. You know what I've been listening to lately is the Melbourne Ska Orchestra, which some one of their YouTube videos popped up in my feed, and I had no idea I would enjoy that music, but I, I've got to say I really enjoy what they've done. So uh, I've added a new 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 band to, to what I listen to. He says the main thing is it has to have a strong enough beat to be loud enough to be heard over the spray booth. <laughs> well, you know what? If you get a silent compressor, that is no longer a problem. My air booth has a fairly quiet fan to it, and I've got a silent compressor, and you know I don't have to crank the music up. Well, I can empathize because my my old pace spray booth is is I wouldn't say it's loud, but it's loud enough that it drowned out any kind of music you're trying to listen to at a reasonable volume with everybody else in the house. <laughs> yes, the wife the wife and kids might not appreciate it. Paul Wheeler. Uh, says he appreciates the information about the uh, IPMS Nationals coming up, and he wants to know the when and how to sign up for workshops or seminar- s- seminars as at the Nationals, as there doesn't seem to be anything on the uh, website. There, There isn't. Most of those seminars are just show up. There's You don't have to have a ticket. You don't have to... Um, you know, uh, reserve a spot. They're held in these fairly large breakout rooms uh, near the near the convention floor. Uh, now, if, if what you what I recommend that people do is when either before you get to the convention or right when you get to the convention, the first thing you'll need to do is look at the seminar schedule and figure out which seminars you want to attend. Then you know, circle those on the little fold handout that they give you with all the list of circle those on it, and then just set yourself some sort of alarm that you, you know, five or 10 minutes or 15 minutes before the seminar is supposed to start, you know, set an alarm on your cell phone because it is so easy to get distracted by the vendor room, the model room, all the shiny. All, all the shiny or or meeting and talking with with modeling friends, particularly modeling internet friends that you only see once or twice a year, that it's easy to miss a seminar you really wanted to to attend. 
So I do recommend setting yourself some alarms. But other than that, you don't have to get tickets. You don't have to sign up in advance. All you have to do is show up where they're giving the seminar. And have fun. Yeah, and have a lot of fun. Well, Paul, if if that's not the case, we'll try to correct that as soon as we can. But t- typically, yeah. Dave's, Dave's right. That's usually the way it works. Yep. Last episode, did we say something about the seminar list uh or was it the tours? I can't remember. Something wasn't going to be available till July. So I don't know. Because I haven't gone on the well, – in fact, I need to do that. I am, by the way, officially registered for the convention. I got both T-shirts. So I'm pre-registered, ready to go. Uh, but I need to get back on their website and take a look and see if they have the seminar list posted yet. Because if so, then I can start pre-planning some stuff. Tim Cavalier is back again. And thanks for the mention of the 3D printed bottle holders for decal solutions. He found himself wishing for something recently as he was decaling his H43 Husky. That's a helicopter he's working on. Yeah. Uh, and knocked a bottle over. Well, no, he says he hasn't knocked a bottle over yet. We figured it's a matter of time. Yep. Uh, and he says he found one on Etsy, one of the uh, blue and red double color printed ones. Yep. For the Microset Microsol. So, yeah, they are great. There you I'm go. I'm telling you. It's really fantastic. It's, it is a nice addition to your benchtop, which I'm sitting here staring at mine as we're recording. And I did some cleaning in my model room last night, and I'm not done yet. I need to get some stuff better organized. Well, I should get one. I can't remember if it's the set or the saw, but one of them's acetic acid. So when you spill it, your workshop smells like vinegar for like two weeks. Yeah, I think that's I think that's saw. So don't spill it. Get a 3D printed holder. Yep. Kip Jackson is back again, regular listener. And he was listening to our comments about what music we prefer to listen to while modeling. He's got an extremely ad- musically adventurous uh, 32-year-old son, and he gives him uh, a, a, a mixtape, essentially, on CD, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, his son calls it dadcore, like uh, hardcore. <laughs> so he's up to dadcore 18, and there's a bunch of... Uh, bunch of bands here i haven't even heard of so kip i'll send these to dave as well and uh we'll give them a we'll give a give them a listen yeah definitely i'll listen i'm always open for uh new music new new bands new you know new things to listen to and p.s for dave i joined the ipms two months ago and also yes. contacted our local chapter and the first meeting will be july 1st that's fantastic yeah speaking of which uh our local IPMS chapter, the Military Modelers Club of Louisville. Um, we're having our first in-person meeting in over a year this Thursday, the 17th. So I I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to that. Steve Schaefer from Hastings, Michigan, uh, was at Wonderfest. Oh. Uh, he says he didn't realize we were going, and he's sorry he missed us. Maybe next year... Uh, maybe next year you would allow us to buy you guys dinner or the last oh. glass of model, or at least a glass of modeling fluid. Hell yeah. Modeling fluid. I love to share modeling fluid and sit around and talk modeling and Wonderfest is so unique. Again, we'll get into it later that talking to modelers who regularly participate in that, you're going to get some, some different perspectives and, and, I'm always looking for that. Well, you know, based on the bar service we got at Wonderfest, I think oh, uh, God. 
We might as well order dinner while we order that <laughs> glass of modeling fluid because it's going to be dinner time by the time it, <laughs> time it gets there. Either that or we'll go someplace else. Uh, we could go someplace else. That'd probably be a good idea. Uh, and he also talks about tribute builds a little bit because he mostly he builds a lot of sci-fi and he's got some pictures he sent us for that. And he's got mostly uh, another interest of 48th and 32nd scale aircraft. He's built a tribute build for Major General John Dolney. I've not heard of this person. Mm-mm. Apparently, was big in the Minnesota Air National Guard and mm. uh, was a World War II pilot as well. So, yeah, tribute builds. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, this is a very, very nice model. Yeah. Well, uh, you you know, since we talked about it, uh, interesting thing, uh, one of my neighbors down the street is uh, apparently was with the 716th Military Police in Vietnam in I think he was there 6970 or 6869 and uh fantastic guy good neighbor fantastic guy and that got me thinking about building a uh, Vietnam era jeep with for with the markings of that unit and I already went out on the internet and there's plenty of pictures of their vehicles and equipment so that may be one that's I'm well, that I'm slotting in one of his interesting builds, he he, he built uh, all this gentleman's, well, not all of them, but uh, some of this gentleman's World War II aircraft. And mm-hmm. interesting, one's an A-36, which is a really obscure kind of, uh, well, it's not, it's not, I don't know how prolific of an aircraft that was. It's the, it's the, it's kind of, it's the ground attack version of the P-51, right. essentially, right? right? Yes, it's. it's or, or is it a precursor to the P-51? Well, it, no, it's not a precursor. They it was kind of a parallel development with the P fifty one when they realized that the uh, uh, initial Packard engined uh, or Allison engined P fifty ones didn't perform well at altitude. Uh, they put the four twenty millimeters on it and turned it into a uh, low level uh, aircraft. And there weren't that many of them built. But it is an interesting, it's always weird to see one because it looks like a P-51 mated with something that wasn't a P-51. Well, it's got dive brakes. Yes, it's got dive brakes and four big cannon. Well, the the, the thing he, uh, he, he mentions is that uh, on this gentleman's, this Major Dolney's flew a P-47. Yeah. A jug, a bubble, a bubble top. Yeah. P-47, razor, well, yeah. And this this aircraft had this obscure kind of paint blotch on it mm-hmm. that he actually put on the model. And what this was, this this uh, aircraft had like a sortie marking on it, a temporary marking. And it, it was supposed to be removed before the next mission or, or at some later time, and it wasn't. And the story is the ground crewman got chewed out for not removing this this, this marking and grabbed a spray gun with whatever it had in it and sprayed this big black spot over it to, to wipe it out. <laughs> and, and, uh, the person who the tribute bill was for explained that the, he flew four or five missions with this big black blob on the, on the airplane. Yeah. I can believe that. And finally is our friend Christopher church from Springdale, Arkansas. He's asking what mini brand of mini lathe do I have? Uh, I answered him, but I'll answer for the, the listeners at large. Um, I have, just the Harbor Freight Central Machinery branded seven by ten mini lathe, and you know it's they're all 
they're sold by Harbor Freight and a bunch of other companies. Even I think the Micromark branded ones are these same lays. There's yeah. a Chinese company called uh, Tag or something like that. Uh, they're all the same platform. Uh, you could you could get a Unimat, you could get a Shearline, you could go get one of the older vintage, higher quality kind of mini lays. Um, I'm trying to think of the one Paul Budzik uses. But it's neither here nor there. You can go that route, and the problem there is there's not a lot of uh, a lot of support online. There is support online, but for these tag mini lays that are made by Harbor Freight or sold by Harbor Freight and other companies, um, there's a whole community out there of people who upgrade these and tweak them and and have a lot of tutorial information on how to use them. So, and they're a lot cheaper than some of these older older lays or more sophisticated ones you can buy right out of the hobby market. Uh, would I recommend it? I don't know yet. I can't say. I, I can see that a lot of people are getting good use out of them and making good parts. I mean, I'm not necessarily modeling parts. I mean, machined parts, bushings and bearings and parts for the lawnmower and stuff like that. But uh, it's a capable tool. Uh, I'm sure it'll do what I want it to do once I figure out how to do it. But I'm not a machinist yet at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the I know the technical colleges, they actually offer courses in that sort of stuff, machining and lathing. Oh yeah. So. That's one way to learn. If you yeah. Have, if you had the time to, to, to do, to do that, that'd be, yep. a, be a great way to do it. Yeah. Well, that wraps up the listener mail. All right. Well, now's the time in the episode where I ask you to take a moment when you're done listening to go ahead and rate our podcast on whatever podcasting app you're listening to us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever it is, uh, give us five stars if you would. It helps raise the visibility of the podcast. And in addition, we'd appreciate it if you would also tell a friend. The best way to grow your podcast is for a listener to tell somebody who's not listening about it. So uh, those of you in model clubs and IPMS chapters, you know, next time you're at a meeting, Ask somebody, ask one of your friends if they're listening, and if they're not, turn them on to us. We'd appreciate it. And while you're doing that, please check out our fellow podcasts in this community we have. We've got the Plastic Posse podcast here in the United States with the Skipper Gilligan, Mr. Howell, and the Professor. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Scott, Doug, TJ, and John. I want to know which one's Marianne and which one's Ginger. Well, I didn't mention those. Either one, <laughs> did I? We've got on the bench with Dave, Ian, and Julian out of Australia. Uh, they're a little late this week due to some uh, inclement weather down in their part of the world. I hope that's gone over okay without too much disaster down there. God knows we've had enough already. Yep. Uh, and I am out of Vegemite now, just saying. Do you know you can buy it at Kroger? Can you really? You can buy Vegemite in Kroger in the inter- international aisle. Where's the fun in that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's probably not real Vegemite. I mean, it's real Vegemite, but, you know, it's not straight from Australia Vegemite. We've got Malcolm and James from the UK with Just Making Conversation. We've got the Scale Model Podcast out of Canada with Stuart and Company. And the Model Geeks with Darren Scott and the Andrews. So please check all those out. And if you get tired of podcasts, which we hope you never do, please check out uh, our blog and YouTube friends with Sprue Pie with Fretz from Stephen Lee. Uh, we've actually got him scheduled now. We're going to get an interview with Steven, have a little fun with him. Yeah. We've got 
inch high guy, Jeff Groves with his uh, 72nd scale blog. Model airplane maker, Chris Wallace out of Canada with his blog and his YouTube channel. And finally, our good friend, Jim Bates with the Scale Canadian TV. That's a lot of stuff. That is. That is. And finally, if you are not a member of your national IPMS chapter, that's either IPMS USA for folks here in, in the U.S., IPMS Canada for those of us, who, those of you who are living in America's hat, IPMS Australia or IPMS New Zealand, whatever national chapter, if you're not a, nas- a member of your national chapter, please look into joining. It really is uh, – IPMS is a great organization. Uh, there's a lot of international cooperation between the between the national organizations, and the national organizations supply a lot of a lot of the skeleton and backbone and structure that allows the local model chapters to exist and to run contests and do stuff like that. So, if you're not a member, please join. All right, Dave. Let's take a break here and have a word from our sponsor. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. It's countdown to Vegas, Dave. Yep, I've got to imagine that we're getting awfully close. How many days? At the time of this recording, Dave, it is a mere 64 days away to the IPMS National Convention in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Not 364 or 365, but 64. Less than, or just over two months, man. It's going to happen quick. I'm I'm starting to twitch more than usual, man. I cannot (laughs) wait. Well, in keeping with uh, what we've been doing over the last year or so, uh, I got a nice email from Bob. So we ought to just get into that, I guess. Yep. Bob tells us that the trophy sponsorships are 104% sold out. Fantastic. So that's a done deal now, and then a little bit extra. He does say that anyone wishing to help out further can uh, make an event sponsorship and have their name added to their, the, the posting on the, on the wall. And I, I think he means the, uh, the web page. Yeah, well, and usually they have an actual thing at the show ah, with, yeah, that's thanking, thanking all of their sponsors. Uh, further, uh, the vendor tables are 100% sold out. Surprise, surprise. Uh, anyone wishing to get on the backup list needs to please contact Joe Porsche and get, uh, get your name on the list. Cause, uh, apparently there is one. Yep. I, well, they're all, I'll tell you what, it does not surprise me that they're a hundred percent sold out and they've got a waiting list. I mean, it's just after a year with no convention, the demand was going to be through the roof and, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, related to our, our listener mail asking about this topic, uh, the seminars are almost full and I, he doesn't mean seats. He means seminars, the slate right. of seminars. They got 63 spots, all of which should not be missed. Well, that's going to be hard to do because a lot of them are going to be going on sequentially. And that's what, listen, that's why I said during the listener mail, one of the first things you need to do when you get to the nationals is look at that seminar list, go through it and circle the seminars that interest you and set some alarms so that you can make sure that you don't miss something you really want to really want to see. The seminars are the hidden gems of the nationals. And I don't think 
I don't think that enough people realize that and take advantage of that. And to that point, uh, the schedule of seminars will be posted on the IPMS Nationals Convention website on July 1st. All right. In fact, I'll, I'll download that. Then you'll get to know when everything is. I will download that and pl- start planning accordingly, man. I'm telling you, I can't wait. Over 300 convention t-shirts have been pre-sold so far with the Thunderbird shirt overtaking Alan the Alien by a mere 10 shirts. So that's still pretty close. And he also warns that those wishing early access to the awards ceremony should buy tickets now. There's only a few seats remaining. Tickets are $20 a pop and ensures a seat at the table and a complimentary drink. All remaining seating will be stadium style. Yep. In general, everything is moving forward now like a runaway train. Only a few weeks remain. (laughs) (laughs) This is when Bob gets really busy. You know, the... You know, these things, people don't realize these things are two plus years in the planning because you, you plan your bid, you make your bid, you get awarded the show two years out, and then, you know, you spend the next two years doing the work, and that work really picks up in the last 60 days before a convention. And poof, it's Sunday night. It's all Exactly. Over. The show itself goes by. You know, I talked to Mike Moore, uh, who did Chattanooga in 2019, and he says the whole thing went by like a blur. Again, it is still not too late to pre-register because we are not at the start date for the show yet. So please pre-register. Save yourself some time. Yes. You're not going to want to waste a minute standing in line once you get there. Pre-register so that the so that the process is... Two minutes, not two hours standing in a line. And if you pre-register, don't get to the Las Vegas venue pre-registered and find out your IPMS membership expired a week ago. Yes, absolutely. Because then you'll just be in line. Yep. Renew renew early. If If you've got an IPMS membership that's expiring in the next couple months, go ahead and re-up now. That way you will save yourself uh, uh, some some headache and heartache. Well, what are you most looking forward to, Dave? God, everything. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, I'm looking forward to the seminars because the seminars are the underappreciated part of every convention. There is always one or two that I go to that I'm just blown away by. Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Strangebrush is going to be doing an airbrushing seminar, which uh, I've been to uh, his previously at uh, Chattanooga, and it is well worth going to. And, uh, you know, there are, there are all, there's always one or two seminars that I walk out of, and I am blown away. I've really learned something new. And so I'm looking forward to seminars. I'm looking forward to seeing all of the uh, internet modeling friends that, you know, that I interact with all the time, including listeners here that because of, of location, you never see in person. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, uh, sitting in the bar at night when the convention is closed and just absolutely spending hours exchanging info and, and shooting the breeze with, my fellow modelers, you included. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting all these other podcasters because uh, right now they're all just well. Sometimes their faces on uh, yeah, we've Z- seen them Zoom, on Zoom, Zoom or something like that. But uh, 
you know, it's been a long time since uh, we've met some new people face yep. to face. Absolutely. I am disappointed the Aussies won't be there, but I fully understand. And uh, I've already been, been lobbying them to fly to Omaha. All right. Well, let's count down to Vegas. Mike, uh, what's your bench top look like these last two weeks? I've not done a whole lot, Dave, to be honest. Been on vacation, trying to figure out my lack of automobile. I've continued to chip away at these Zist 2 ammo boxes, and I've got a couple more together. But other than that, I'm sorry, folks. I just have not had a very productive bench in the last two weeks. Well, I'm I'm in a similar bind, of course, with uh, being out uh, up in Dayton four days for my daughter's surgery, had me away from the bench top. But and actually, I'm out of AK flat white, so I can't begin chipping my M30 uh, until I get that. Luckily. Uh, uh, Jim Bates has come through for me, and uh, I've got some AK flat white on the way. But uh, I actually have made modeling progress. I took the mosquito and primed it, and was ple- with with one one or two exceptions was pleasantly surprised at how well uh, it had gone together. Spent, uh, as you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are, are playing. Jim Bates's Habs in uh, the Stanley Cup semifinals. So last night, while I was watching the Golden Knights beat the Habs four to one in Game One, I finished sanding the primer on the Mosquito and uh, going in and spot filling the few little places that needed spot filling. So tonight, after we're finished recording, I plan on. Sitting sitting at the bench and sanding out those those fill spots and repriming it and then in theory from there it's on to paint and paint ain't that far from decals and decals ain't that that far from finished. I need to get on the ball. Yeah, well, I, when I look back this time last year, I had already finished two models and was about to finish a third, and right now I'm at zero for the year. So. Uh, yeah, I've got to I've got to step up the pace for the last half of the year. So you're not counting the 3D printed SpaceX. Oh, that's right. You're right. I've got to count. Ca- I, I should. I do have to count that because it was five parts, and I I really did. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Well, other than that, you know, I've been uh, trying to speculate a little bit here in, in this demise of uh, Kitty Hawk. Yes. Uh, I understand you've entered the model speculation market. Well, we'll see. I'm trying to get a free kit. Go ahead and explain it. Um, well, everybody already knows that uh, Kitty Hawk has ceased production. And r- right now, there's no announcement that their tooling's going anywhere else anytime soon. And I've always been intrigued by their 30-second scale Kingfisher float plane. And it's not the easiest kit to build. That's no secret. <laughs> yes. It is a challenge, as they say. Which is might be part of their Kitty Hawk's demise. I don't know, because that seems to be a theme that uh, percolates through a lot of their, their product line. Yeah. But anyway, when I started looking for one, after hearing of Kitty Hawk's sh- shuttering, uh, I couldn't find one anywhere. They're all sold out at most of the vendors in the United States. And the ones on eBay were going for about two or three times retail and selling. Yeah. So I poked around some of my favorite uh, obscure 
hobby vendors in the far reaches of the world, and I found a couple. Hopefully, they're on their way soon. And I'm going to try to flip one of them and see if I can get the other one paid for. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad listen. Uh, I know some people who jumped on when Wingnut Wings uh, ceased. I know some people who their first instinct was to jump online, and they managed to amass themselves a collection of Wingnut kits that pretty much tripled in value. And, and well, I th- a little bit different there. I, what I've been seeing is people have been listing these at you know their regular pre demise of Kitty Hawk price, and they just get bid up. Yeah, supply. I won't come out of the shoot with a two X scalp number on it, but uh, if they do it to themselves, will it? Listen, I am I'm an ardent I am an ardent free marketer, willing buyer, willing seller. If if that's right, it, you know. If that's the the aircraft of your dreams and you've always really wanted to build it and you're willing to pay for that privilege, hey, that's great. I wonder how much how big a 30-second scale Nevada turret would be. <laughs> Pretty darn big. <laughs> That'd be impressive though, wouldn't it? Oh yes, that would be super <laughs> impressive. You know, you've got to think with that Kitty Hawk kit out there, somebody has to have done that. You'd think. Okay, if anybody out there listening knows where somebody scratch built a 32nd scale uh, Nevada or Arizona turret to go along with the with Kingfisher. And a catapult. And the catapult. Send us the link. We want to see that. Well, hopefully next episode's Benchtop halftime report is a little more interesting. Yeah. Remember, we did that we started this to keep our mojo alive and to keep these models moving across the uh, the bench. How did we make it through last summer? I guess because of the pandemic. Ah, yeah. There wasn't as much traveling and other stuff. Now, there was still yard work, and we still had our pool and, you know, had had people over for cookouts and such. But, uh, you know, we didn't go on vacations or things like that. So I think we had more time at the bench. Probably so. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll find some. Uh, you and me both. Well, Mike, uh, what, what's been announced lately that you've been excited about and what's been announced that uh, maybe doesn't exactly tickle your <laughs> fancy? Well, you know, I was watching the big show in Japan. It wasn't so big this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. There, there wasn't a lot. I think uh, that kind of opinion resonated throughout the model community. I believe that was that the show was... A little laxed on uh, new announcements, but that said, looking across the entire spectrum, I've got a, I got a few, a few here, a couple of faves and a and a yawn. <laughs> All right, well, give me one. My first one is a uh, a kit from a I guess it's a new another new Chinese company. Yeah, they're they're I, sprouting up like mushrooms. I I don't know if it's a, a subsidiary of one of the others. It's I love kit. I love kit. It's hmm. like our I I heart kit. It's, it's, okay. That's what what their logo is. I love kit. I heart kit, I guess. They're doing an M3A1 Lee medium tank. This is the cast hole Lee. In 35th? In 35th scale. Really? Has, has that one ever been done before? I, in plastic, I'm thinking no. But with the uh, Lee kits out there right now, mm-hmm. it just seemed odd that no, the Mini Art or Tacom hadn't already done it. Maybe they have. I don't know. But it's a new tool. So that's that's got me interested. Not so much. I don't know if I'm interested in that version of that tank, but uh, at least uh, it, it put a World War II kit on their radar. Well, that, that's, you know, I'm always happy to see a new manufacturer 
I'll tell you the the thing that pleased me in the last few years was uh, seeing these companies Arma and Clearprop pop up out of nowhere, and they both seem to have very little learning curve before they hit just their stride with really really good kits. So I'm always happy to see another manufacturer come out. Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, before we get to your first one, I forgot something here. Okay. Uh, we need to give a shout out that this segment is being brought to uh, our listeners by Horizon Models, again, out of Australia. Yep. Good good folks. Tony down there at uh, Horizon Models has put together a, a little package deal celebrating the 60, 60th anniversary of Alan Shepard's historic flight into space with a dual boxing of the Mercury Atlas and Mercury Redstone kits in 172nd scale. Uh this special has been extended to June 30th, so you still got a couple of weeks at the time of this recording to get that order in. You can get both kits together shipped from Australia for $60. That's that's a deal. That's a deal. And I can tell you that you will be pleased by the quality of these things. Yes, you will. Now, I am just waiting for them to do the Titan II with the Gemini on it. Thank you, Tony. Glad to give you a little shout out there. Absolutely. Good good folks. What's your uh, What's your big... Big fave of the episode. Well, my first one is the announcement by Hobby Boss that uh, they are releasing a 72nd scale U-2A Dragon, the giant reconnaissance aircraft um, of Gary Powers' fame. Uh, this kit, the, the U-2, the, has most famously been previously done in 72nd scale by Airfix a long, long time ago. And that kit is very difficult to find these days. And so having a new tool U2 is is exciting as heck. Uh the basic colors generally black or dark gray on pretty much every scheme, but you can do Taiwanese, you can do the CIA, you can do the US Air Force. It it this really does fill fill a hole. So I'm very excited about it. Wasn't there a Hawk kit? Uh, I think the Hawk was 48 scale. Oh, was it the one testers reboxed? Yes. I believe that one was 48 scale. Well, that's interesting. Yep. How about your next one? Uh, You know, AZ models, this isn't a new kit announcement per se, but they keep piling on these BF 109s in 72nd scale. Yeah. And they've released a whole nother slew of Emils, E models. Yep. In different markings. Have you seen any feedback on that kit yet? Barry Numeric uh, has been, who, Mr. ME109, has been doing builds over on 72nd scale for him, and his initial impressions are very favorable. Well, they sure got a lot of them. Yep. Yep, they do. All right. You got another one? Yes, I do. Uh, I've got another fave that I will be honest with you, this is not my personal fave. But there are so many people in 72nd scale land that are going to be happy about this. Um, you know, I'm happy for them, even though I probably won't buy or build one. Dora Wings has announced a Curtis Wright 89 Jeep. Uh, that's a two-engine trainer aircraft that was used uh, uh, by the U.S. to train all of pretty much every multi-engine pilot passed through flying an AT-9 on their way to either flying B-17s or B-24s or C-47s. It was one of the most important trainer aircraft of the U.S. of World War II, and 
I know people who focus on those type of uh, things, trainer aircraft and, and, uh, and you know, uh, historic World War II lesser known U.S. types really do really have been wanting one. So Dorwings does some good stuff. So you got to think that it, at least the odds are good that it's going to be a very nice kit. So I'm excited for them, even though I don't see an AT9 in my future. Well, you never know. Yeah, true enough, true enough. Got anything else on the plate? I got a yawn. Okay, give me a yawn. Platts out of Japan is reboxing the Italeri M41 Simavente, which I wonder if is the, quote, new tooled one, unquote. Mm. I would think it would be. <laughs> Was the it. new tool one really new tooled or just cleaned uh, I, up? I think they recut the tools on the old drawings. Is what I think they did. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's just not that different, really. Anyway, they've reboxed it in, under the girls and panzers <laughs> moniker. Yeah. Somebody buys these, I guess. Oh, they do. They're wildly popular in Japan. I guess so. so. Not for me, I, unless you just had to have the kit. Yeah, which you can get in the Etilary boxing, and I got to think it's going to be cheaper. Yeah, it probably is. Now, I think under this Girls and Panzers line from Plots, I think they also box one of the fine molds, one of the more obscure Japanese, early Japanese tanks. That I don't know if you, I don't know if you can get it any other way. You like the Type 89? Well, I think it's the kit that they they boxed with the, what was it, Hot Model Fan Magazine or something like that? You, you got it a sprue at a time? Yeah, yeah I, think that, I think that's the Type 89. So that may be it. I don't know. Yeah. I could be completely wrong, too. Well, some re- some listener will tell us. I'm sure. You got a yawn? No, I got another fave. Uh-oh. Uh and this one's this one is tied to um this one's tied to our trip to Wonderfest Uh-oh. last last All week. Right. AMT has announced in 72nd scale from the Mandalorian the the Razor Crest, which is the ship the Mandalorian uses in the in the show until it I, got, I, until it got vaporized <laughs> well yeah i don't watch the show so i didn't know it got vaporized spoiler alert but i know this has been in demand ever since the mandalorian hit and turned out to be very popular among the star wars fans there everybody was wondering who was going to do it were they going to do it and when we were at uh, wonderfest uh, this past week uh, there was a sign-up showing that AMT was going to be releasing a 72nd scale Razor Crest. So I'm betting you're going to see a lot of those next year at Wonderfest. Probably and I'm will. Ha- I'm, ha- I'm happy for those guys, even though, again, I don't watch the show. It's not particularly my cup of tea, although I have been tempted by an X-Wing or a Y-Wing every once in a while. Uh, you should watch it. Yeah, you, I, I probably should, but I don't want to pay the money for it. I got too many streaming services now, man. I'm, I'm surprised you don't have Disney Plus already. Oh, well, actually, I do. I forgot. <laughs> I never watch it, but we do have Disney Plus. Well, then you're already paying for it. You're, you're right. I am. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about it. It's. I'll just say it's. It's real Star Wars again. Yes, which I will admit. I'm here to admit to you that I have seen nothing since the three prequels. They so damaged my psyche that I have not watched a single Star Wars movie uh, that's come out since the since they since they did the three. I guess they're not prequels. The three after or the sequels. 
I guess, to the original. And uh, so, but yeah, I'm happy for all the Star Wars guys because this was very much something that was in demand. Well, I think somebody else, Ravel, or somebody was coming out with one on a smaller scale. Well, are they? Yeah, one one forty fourth, maybe fourth scale. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's too small. <laughs> well, you should get one in it because it's just like bare metal. God, there you go. I got enough bare metal. In my- hey, when we talk about Wonderfest, we'll we'll mention bare metal. All right. Well, that's all I've got. Do you have a do you have a yawn at all? No, not at all, man. Well, good job, makers. You kept Dave from having a yawn. That's right. Nobody released pigeons. All right. Well, speaking of Wonderfest, our special segment tonight is a, a little bit of commentary on our trip to Wonderfest. In addition to that commentary, we also got to talk with uh, the show chairman, Dave Hodge, and we got a little uh, short interview with him we'll get to. But uh, we kind of uh, – we we kicked it around for a while, but we kind of decided at the last minute to go ahead and go. Both of us were worried that we wouldn't have that day free. Uh, that's true, but we ended up having the day free, so – I made the drive in and we drove on to the convention hotel and had a pretty good time at all in all. No, had a great time. I'll tell you that uh, I hadn't been back to Wonderfest in a couple of years. And then I was, of course, concerned, just like everybody's going to be concerned this year, coming out of the pandemic. Kentucky's been coming out of it pretty well, uh, opening up pretty solidly. But you know, there's still a lot of places that are more restricted, and uh, uh, you know, I was I was a little concerned about how the attendance and everything might be, and it was rock solid. I mean, very very well attended. Well, we should have probably followed up after the fact to get the real numbers, but it did seem well attended. The model yep. tables were certainly pretty full. Yep, and absolutely. Was, and the vendor room was hopping. That's for sure. Yes. It was. Uh, I talked to Mark Cable while we were at the show. Mark is a, a member of our club, MMCL, but he also does uh, judging at Wonderfest. And he told me that the when we talked, which was just about when entries ended, uh, he said that the numbers were pretty comparable to the last show they had in 2019. Well, there may be some folks out there who don't even know what Wonderfest is. Yep. And Wonderfest is a annual, basically fantasy and sci-fi event held in Louisville, Kentucky, here near us. And it's a, uh, it is primarily a scale modeling event, and it's 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 a fan event as well. There's usually some uh, industry celebrities there, and uh, oh, animators, model makers from the film industry are are typically there as guests, and kind uh, kind of like the Comic Con, but. Uh, not so much the comic side of it, but uh, scale modeling and all the the film and and anime and just all that kind of wrapped up into a, a scale modeling event. Yeah, um, it actually uh, uh, a little history on it. Way back when, it was more of a comic con style event focusing on movies and sci fi and stuff. Uh, and the little mon- model contest was something they just decided to have at this convention. And the model contest has grown and grown as the convention itself has grown and grown. And so now what was just a little side part of the event is part is is one of the main focuses. Uh, the model contest fills a room, and I've got to tell you, I, I don't know about you, but one of my impressions 
from walking the model room was how much the quality of the models has just gone through the roof. Um, I mean, you would always see some some good models at Wonderfest, but the level of the quality has just, it's amazing. Uh, I got to say the sci-fi, uh, fantasy sci-fi modelers are really stepping up the game as far as modeling, weathering techniques, lighting. Uh, lighting has just exploded in that space. And those guys are doing stuff that you don't see in really any other, any other area of modeling. It's a, it's a whole additional skill set, and, uh, they're doing it. They're doing it with style. Well, I think, uh, led lighting has made that a lot easier. Yes. And you get, there's a lot of, uh, pre-configured lighting kits you can buy now for a lot of these, yep. uh, plastic and resin models and you're right man there was it's just amazing some of those starships the way they were lit and how how well it was done yep well what else caught you out of there well um of course the the figures have always been a big part of wonder fest um again just like the quality rising in in the in the more traditional what we would think of as model kits areas um, the, the figures also, you're seeing folks who are clearly paying attention to what you're seeing from ammo and AK and all of that regarding figure painting. In fact, uh, uh, I think both ammo and AK have recently released books focusing n- on figure modeling as it applies to sci-fi and fantasy. Oh yeah. And, as, pa- and paint sets. Yes. And paint sets to go with them. Uh, as opposed to military figures, because I think that I think they recognize that there is a significant market there that they need to serve, and Lord knows, ammo and AK will not pass up an opportunity to serve a market. Scale modeling for me is a lot like like music. There's there's genres that aren't my cup of tea, but I can appreciate talent across yes. the, the entire spectrum. And I tell you. I really enjoyed the time we spent with the, the gentleman from Florida. Yes. Who had built the uh the replica of the studio model, the one eighteenth, nineteenth scale. Yeah. Studio Millennium model of the, of the Millennium Falcon. And we were sitting there looking at it. You know, he'd matched all the, the scale model parts that had been used to construct the studio models. Yep. And you start recognizing things and <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And uh I must admit, I did not know that the inside faces of the mandibles on, on the Millennium Falcon were the chassis and belly pan of 57 Chevy. <laughs> Neither did I. That's a, it's a great piece of trivia. Or the fact that there are two, there are two panther mantlets mounted on the top of those, those mandibles. Yeah, that's, that was really fun. He was really, really proud of his work, and he should have been. I, you know, when you get people talking about their models, yep. they can just... Amps. Go and go, and uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to. And I've, I, I took a picture of his display, but I can't remember his name. And I, I, uh, I I've got it all on my phone. Uh, just to give you a little background, this guy lived in Florida, or lives in Florida. He drove this thing up. It is one, one eighteenth or nineteenth scale. He said, uh, and it's an exact replica of the studio model of the Millennium Falcon. It weighs, he estimated, 125 pounds, 
Uh, this thing's like four foot across by six or seven feet long. <laughs> um, it's just, it's an amazing piece of work. Uh, he said he did it in 10 months, which just blows my mind. And, and again, it is a completely faithful reproduction of the actual studio model. And, you know, when you, when you're talking to somebody who, has something that they have accomplished like that. You just love talking to them because you learn so much. Like you said, who would have thought that the inside facings were a couple of 57, 57 Chevy kits. In 125th scale. In 125th scale. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and talking to him about the, the, the paint color and the weathering and, uh, you know, trying to match it to the more weathered version of the Millennium Falcon rather than what you see a lot of people do, which is paint it, you know, fairly stark white. It just, it, it was fascinating talking to him. You know, there were a lot of starships at the show. I, yes. Just trying to raise an itch in me. <laughs> that needs, <laughs> it needs a scratch. I knew that show would be dangerous. Well, that's, a, that's, that's like going to the Nationals for me. I come home from the Nationals every time just so inspired and there's usually a couple of things i see that just are like yeah i want to do something like that even though i know frankly talent wise i'm not i'm not at that level but i'm there's such inspiration which is again why i say to people who don't go to model contests you don't have to enter okay if you don't want to you don't have to enter you're you're missing out on some of the fun if you don't but that's that's a lot of people don't want to compete for whatever reason. That's fine. But go to these shows. They are absolutely fantastic modeling experiences. Well, moving on to the vendor room. I tell you, man, there's some, some really, how to say it, cutting edge of resin casting. Yes. Would that be a way to put it? Yes, absolutely. And, and three, you know, you see 3d printing on, uh, on display. Everything from nature, like those uh, what one tenth and one twentieth scale sharks and whales. Yes, which were amazing. Where else are you going to see something like that? Other than the ocean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, and then just every every character imaginable. Yeah, uh, it's just so much to take in. So much, especially when you don't you when you're not familiar with much of it. Yeah, you know the Star Wars and Star Trek, and the, there was the guy selling the the movie prop replicas. Yeah, the gun replicas from all the different well, movies. Well, not just guns. He had the magic flute from H.R. Puff and stuff, and he had all the Harry Potter wands and uh, the idol from Indiana Jones. Yes. Well, and you know the other thing, walking around the vendors, not only do you have model kits, resin stuff like that, there are a lot of collectible people selling collectibles, and you'll see a lot of old games and lunch boxes and you know, figures and stuff that you remember from your childhood. And I really found walking through that vendor area, I would see things and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. It would bring back a specific memory and just, it, it, it's cool. So one one of the things I found really interesting at the show was, uh, well, one of the guests was uh, Marta Kristen. Yes. Right? Yes. Who played, I can't remember the character. Ju- Judy. On Lost in Space. Yes. The original. The original 1960s Lost in Space. 
was there as a guest and that entire corner of the vendor room was devoted to props and rep- replicas from the the set of that show. Yeah. And I tell you from when that show was made, they put a lot of work into that show. Yes, they did. Well, there 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 were four complete replica um uh robots uh from the show and uh uh it's amazing the amount of work that had gone into making those full size replicas. And then that they did did the the front panel from the bridge of the ship and I know you took uh, some photos or videos of it. That was amazing stuff. Yeah, it really was. I mean, those people are <laughs> devoted to detail, to to looking and staring and and figuring out what it looked like, so they could rep- reproduce an exact replica of what was in the studio and used in the filming. How long was that show even on? It was only like two or three years. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. And my my favorite uh, uh, piece of of trivia about that show is the theme song. Most people don't realize that was written by John Williams, Mister Star Wars, and Superman, and and Superman and Indiana Jones and everything else. Uh, He he. That's one of the first, I think, uh, either TV or theatrical compositions he did. Wow, that's amazing. Yep. Well, while we were there, we got a chance to speak with Dave Hodge, and uh, it worked out really well. He was on, he was a guest uh, on Scale Model Podcast about the week before the show, so we tried to uh, get a little different take on it and not ask so much about the history of the show, but uh, kind of his take on how things were going, because it was really only the second show we had been to. Yep. And same for him. He had also been up to Roscoe Turner, and he mentioned that. And yep. uh, why don't we get into that? Yeah, I, I- I, I think it was a great interview, and we got a lot of interesting insights into how this one turned out, which, of course, you never never were going to know until it actually came off. All right. Well, here's our, our time with Dave Hodge. <laughs> oh, you want me to start? I want you to introduce okay. him, yeah. Well, Mike, um, our guest is Dave Hodge, and I've known Dave longer than either of us care to say, I think, at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, way uh, back. Way back. Way back. And Dave is one of the individuals who is in charge at Wonderfest. Uh, according to his badge, he is. According to his badge, he is. <laughs> and uh, he's been with Wonderfest since the beginning. He, he's one of, the, one of the people who basically put it together. And, and I'll... Uh, I'll intercede right here. I was not at the very beginning. You weren't at the first one. I wasn't. I was not. But I, it, was it even Wonderfest then? Uh, I think it still had the name Did it? at that point, but it was a little one-day show out at uh, uh, a Motor Inn on Brownsboro Road. I remember. Yeah. And, near uh, where Dave lives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I was... Uh, I was uh, uh, not I was not part of the club then mm-hmm. because it was started uh, essentially run by a Science Fiction Modelers Club of of Louisville. So, right, but uh, I took over as as head of the show. Hang on, it's been twenty plus years. Yeah, it was at least twenty. Yeah, uh, I remember incorporating Wonderfest as a corporation 
in the early 90s. Yes. You, you, me, and Lee State at, Lee Lee, at Lee's house. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is my well, I, I know. I know Lee. Yeah, from that, the club. That is Our my club. that is my one one bra- <clears throat> brag that I get to drop around. Absolutely, you, you I'm were, the attorney who incorporated. You are the Wonder attorney. Fest. You are the attorney of record, and you're still our attorney. So, <laughs> well, luckily you've not had any trouble. Well, so. Of course not. No, because yeah. he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he Thank- did my he did my will. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so what are you getting, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> all, his, all his models and stuff. Yeah, oh, okay. he doesn't know that. Yeah, it was a hard bargain. Yeah. Well, really. How how's it feel to actually be physically at a show? Is this your first one since the pandemic started? Right. We canceled twenty twenty. But and, any, but any show? And, have you been to any show since the pandemic until this? Yeah, yes. Uh, I went up to Indianapolis. Oh, we were there too for yeah. the IPMS, and okay. I know you guys were there. And that's what gave me a lot of encouragement for this show because I was really worried that it would be difficult for people because we were going to make them wear masks. We were going to do the safe thing. And I know not everybody believes in that type of thing, but we were going to follow the law and we were, I was going to try to do it in a way that wasn't, you know, uh, so tough. I mean, in the hallways and stuff, people can, right, can, yeah. can go without. But in that in, in that room, room was crowded. Yeah. You know, we were we were going to have a mask policy, and and because I'm not somebody who wanted to be, you know, going up to people. Are you vaccinated? Are you vaccinated? <laughs> Papers, can, you, can you prove it? <laughs> you know, I'm like, no. Just everybody wear a mask. You can, you know, while you're in there shopping and spending your money and having a good time, I'm sure you can right. Well, it's sit at home with no show. Yeah, or, or come well, to show exactly. and wear a mask. Right? Exactly. Sit, or, or sit at home with no show. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's interesting because I, I, for fun, I attend a uh, convention called G Fest, and you know, I'm admitting some stuff here. I, I'm a Godzilla fan, <laughs> and I, I, it's I, okay. We all. Oh, I, thank God, because I am among geekdom. So, yeah. Um, uh, well, we do have that in common. <laughs> And and so they canceled again this year. Um, oh, wow. They have they have other challenges because many of their guests are from Japan. Uh, of course, Japan, that makes sense. Japan yeah. is a mess right now. Yeah, yeah. But once uh, vaccinations really got started and things started to lighten up a bit, I felt like we could do this show and we could do it on time um, because that's the first thing. I got was, you know, I had people uh, writing me and saying, move the show, move it back, move it back. And now we did that once and it was a mess. Um, we tried to move it to October of 2020 and then October came around and everything was still, still just a god awful mess. Yeah. So there were complications uh, having to cancel altogether uh, and that type of thing, which I had to work out with the hotel. So this time, once we made the commitment to go, we, you know, we were bound to it. We were going to do it. Oh yeah! And it was just a matter of of you know doing it as safely as possible, which I think is happening. Also, the um, oh, what was I going to say there? Yeah, we had essentially had to take a show that we take a year to do because when this show ends. I'm already going to be working oh, yeah. on 2022, right? Well, because of the uncertainty, there wasn't much done for this show. And the hotel itself was still 
a lot of their people were still furloughed, and the, okay, the yeah. the office, the uh, the convention liaison's office and stuff were understaffed, and uh, so this a year's worth of show came together in about three months. And it's amazing, you the the show is, I mean, it looks exactly like right. and Wonderfest any other year, other than the mask. Right, you couldn't tell. That and this show hadn't he, had a year's plan. And it, yeah, and that's a tribute to our crew. That's a tribute uh, to all the folks that work, uh, the small core people that work year round to do this. And I know, you know, David, <laughs> what it's like to try to put together a show, yes. especially if your numbers are small uh, 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 of staff working on it and stuff like that. So. The fact that people are seeing this as more or less seamless yeah. is a, a real tribute to them in that we have been able to pull it off with, uh, you know, uh, all the cohesion and everything that we normally experience with this show. We take great pride in the fact that we make this show, uh, no matter if there are problems or whatever, we make those invisible to uh, people attending. We don't want them... We want them to come and have a good time. We don't want them to see any issues that we might have. And every year there's something. Yeah. <laughs> there's always something. Some, sure. you know? some minor drama. Right, about exactly. Yeah. You know, and there you know, there there'll be times when I have to go in the office and lock myself in so I can <laughs> yell at people on the phone. <laughs> you know. <so> I can <laughs> you know, and that type of thing. But but we don't want our attendance our t- attendees to see anything like that. We want them to just say, "Hey, having a good time, and this is a well-run show," uh, which it is. You're, you're, you know, just judging from walking, Mike and I walking around and all. It looks like the numbers are are the same as 2019, which would be your last one before the show. So it looks like basically everything's come back mm-hmm. to normal. I mean, I assume you have some guests from outside the U.S. who weren't able to make. That's it correct. Our Japanese guests, our Canadian guests, well, pretty much anybody from overseas. Yeah. Because we also have uh, people from the United Kingdom and stuff. Uh, you know, none of them could come. Uh, yeah. And you can tell here and there, there are tables here and there that are vacant uh, uh, for one reason or another. We've had a couple of folks that uh, didn't show up, uh, didn't contact us or anything, but we're sure it's probably related to all of this. Sure. Um, we've had other people. We have new people. And uh, they said, well, we want to do a show. <laughs> we want to do a show. <laughs> Somebody do a show. Yeah. And and so, like, oh, we'll come to your show because, you know, you're having it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of evened out. And, uh, and I'll tell you, definitely our out-of-towners are down, mm-hmm. um, are down. But the local response has been huge, which is why it looks like, it looks. It looks like we have the normal big crowd. Yes. Uh, but we got a ton of first timers, uh, a lot more than we normally experience because they have they found out we're doing a show and just like wow, they're uh, the only game in town. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be testament to all the new people that have come into the hobby. Yes. Well, the scale and, modeling hobby. I mean, it's and that's we're a, from different genres yeah, generally, but there's yeah. a lot of crossover. But there's, and, there, oh, there's a, t- a tremendous amount of crossover, and, and and absolutely, I'm a I I do a lot of military modeling. Uh, David and I share a passion for submarines. That's right, especially. Uh, 
Oh, have you seen some of those new kids, by the way? Yes. <laughs> the, 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 the Zvezda, especially the Delta Four. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, a sweet, yes. sweet kid. Anyway, um, uh, the, uh, yeah, and you make an excellent point there. We, we had a lot of people that came into the hobby uh, because the pandemic kind of forced it. Oh, yeah. The model room looks, I mean, crowded. It is. It, uh, it, uh, I was talking to Mark Cable, mm-hmm. uh, one of the folks yeah. who helped judge, and uh, Mark said he thought it was about the same number of models as 2019. It's hard to tell because right. the table, it, especially in mm-hmm. in uh, science fiction, fantasy, right. all that, right. the model sizes vary so much. Oh, so a do. table can look crowded or right. can look uncrowded yeah. and still have a ton of it, models it's on pretty, it. It's pretty huge. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, we're very close to that. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see because I was this morning when uh, people were checking in last night, I happened to be up at registration and this is another pandemic thing. I had, <laughs> I had guys with 22 entries yeah, stuff like that. You know, they were just like, yeah, yeah I got 22 models to enter. And it just <laughs> That's like, what happened up at Indy with Ross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think one guy had 26. I think he was the biggest. He had 26. The actual number of individuals may be smaller, but the entries are going to be very close to what we had in 2019. Okay. That's and good. and what um, what's really cool about that is if if we're you know, if we're low on that this time around, boy, wait till 2022 when we're really back yeah. in the groove. You know, um, our goal has always been um, uh, we want to hit the century mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to go, go hit that century mark. And it's funny, I talked to George Zalettis, who's our uh, contest chairman and you know he's all for it but at the same time it's like where are we going to put it <laughs> where are we going to put it all yeah you know well your panic your your vendor rooms are full to the brim yeah i mean it, it's right. amazing yeah we do have we do have uh and a, a lot of vendors and and again you know uh, initially i was sweating it pretty hard because the cancellations and rollovers and that type of thing, you know, it's hard to keep cohesion with something like that. So I was pretty pleased that a majority of our dealers uh, rolled with us. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but we do have some newer folks in there and their stuff is, uh, is pretty sweet. Yeah. A uh, lot of pretty sweet stuff in you know, there. Oh, yeah. jeez, man. <laughs> a I, lot of I, stuff I, I didn't know I needed. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's me all over because I was determined this year. And of course, you know, you got to get something. I mean, yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta, (laughs) but I had told myself, well, I'm going to be careful. You know, I'm going to be careful. Um, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time, but I do, do want to, um, uh, I do want to get something. There are some guys that literally save just for this show and they will drop an ungodly amount of money on stuff here. But I, I was like, I'll be good. You know, I'll be good. And then, and then, <laughs> then you walked into the room. I, I walked into the room, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. But then there was one particular table, and again, you may know this. I'm a shark guy. Yeah. Oh, know. yeah. I know t- the table you're talking about. <laughs> you know the table. Did you get, I'm the, did about? you get the big one or the small one? Oh, I got them all. <laughs> I got. I, I got. Uh, I had a couple of them. They were holdovers, but all the new ones. I'm just like. Matt, Matt, who's who's the dealer? I said, Matt, 
Matt, how could you do this to me? I want this, 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 and this. You're going to have to you have to make me a deal. He says, no problem. And I said, damn you. <laughs> He's uh, made truth of that old bumper sticker, save the whales, collect the whole set. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Get the whole set, man. Are those, <laughs> question, are those constant scale? Yes. He, well, he has two different scales, and he has repeat, like on one side – uh, is 110 and the others are 120. Uh-huh. But he has a tiger shark and a mako shark in each uh, set of scales. So, yeah. oh man, it's so it's so sweet for somebody like me who actually dives with sharks. Yes. So, um, well, it, it, it's just like uh, oh, listener oh. listeners don't know, but um, Dave's real life. He worked for the Louisville Zoo for. How many years? Uh, I worked uh, there 27 years. 27 years, a mm. lot of time with the big cats. And then he retired. And what did he do in retirement? He goes out and dives with sharks. <laughs> you got to keep it real, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I, just, I guess big cats were not scary enough. It's not scary enough. <laughs> let's, let's find something well, a little it's an, it's too, a, too predictable. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition because when I took care of the big cats, they were in the cages. When I'm out there with the great white sharks, I'm in the cage. <laughs> and glad, happy to be there. <laughs> yeah, when you got a uh, – I had uh, – there's one particular female that's very famous where we were diving at. Her name is Lucy, and she was there, and she came – I mean, literally within touching distance of the cage. She came just cruising by. And what's really cool is you look at their eyes, and their eyes, unlike the movies <laughs> – um, in the movies, you know, of course, Quint's like, it's a doll's eyes, you know. <laughs> dead eyes. Dead. They're dead. <laughs> oh, no. No, they're not. They actually have a blue pupil in them. And you, you can see that pupil looking you up and down as they go by. <laughs> and, and you're going yeah. like, not, mm. not enough meat on that one. <laughs> yeah, not enough meat on that <laughs> but, but Lucy is anywhere from 18 to 20 feet long, and she weighed between two and two and a half tons. Oh, yeah. That is a, a lot big of fish. That's a fish. Fish. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I, I digress. Well, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it, it was about shark models. So. That's right. <laughs> well, you're day one here, halfway through it. What are your impressions generally with, with how it's gone? Relief. 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 Because... As head of the show, it's my job to worry about how well the show's going to do. Certainly, and I just wasn't sure because our hotel rooms were naturally were not uh, up to what we normally do. And again, that's because I have a lot of travelers that, for one reason or another, can't come in. So I was worried that we will be would be a pretty down show. And and just a little show history: the worst show we ever had was a show where we were forced to do it on Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you talk about the kiss of death. Yeah. Even NASCAR won't run on Mother's Day. No, <laughs> no. And at the time, the hotel was like, oh, we don't have anything else, you know, and all that. Oh, okay, well, we'll give it a – oh, what a mistake. I should have just said, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait. It was, it, was, it was just the awfulest thing. So you know, I I worried uh, I worried about that. You know that the turnout would be very limited because the show uh, naturally and you know it took a financial hit. There's no question that canceling the 2020 show hurt us. Right. 
because the bills don't necessarily bills don't stop. stop, and it's the seed, <laughs> you know, seed money for the and, next one, right? You know, yeah. and Louisville likes their taxes. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, they like their taxes a lot, and uh, yeah, and then the money for the next show. Now we um, we got some relief because uh, some folks who love the show put together call. Uh, Put together a thing called Wanta Fest. Yes, and it was yes. a fundraiser, and it was a godsend, and it was it was, uh, it was a really uh, a really good thing for us, and it helped us get over the hump. Wanta Fest will probably never happen again because well, the not guy, from those guys. The, no, because those guys <laughs> found out what how tough it is to run <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but God bless them; they just uh, they really came through for us, and. That was a big help for getting us to this point. So, my uh, my nervousness, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm. That's why I'm in charge, so I can be nervous about this. <laughs> it looks to me like it's, you know, it's going to be just fine. Oh yeah, all looks, right, looks fantastic. Well, we'll let you get back to it because you got work to do, yeah, and we right. got a show to go see. Okay, let's do and, that. And uh, yeah. we, we wish all the best with Wonderfest. 2021. Uh, I haven't been in a long time. I probably haven't been to this show in 14, 15 years. So wow, I'm having a good time. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad you're back. Perhaps you can uh, make it back next year instead of waiting another 15 to 20. Uh, I, I think I will. Get it in our own backyard. Spe- yeah. Speaking of which, we're trying. Do you know who the guest is going to be next year? Have you already got that figured out? Yes, but I can't say. Oh, darn it! I tried. I, I tried, guys. We, we've got somebody. We've, we've got a couple of people we've already contacted, so, um, you know, we'll see. Got to come see next year. Yeah, 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 exactly. You've got to come see <laughs> next right. year. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much. You're welcome, guys. All right. All right. Well, Dave, thanks, thanks for getting Dave on board with us there, and uh, he certainly treated us nice at the show. He did. He did. Dave's a very old friend, and he and I have known each other from back when Wonderfest was before it was Wonderfest, or just as it was becoming Wonderfest. Uh, the most interesting insight that I think we got from that interview was the fact that because of COVID, of course, because Wonderfest is truly an international show, they get guests from England and Canada and Australia and Mexico. But because of the COVID restrictions in a lot of those places, those people couldn't travel. And the interesting insight from him was, yeah, they were down for, there were fewer of those people because of that, but that the local attendance, both local to Louisville and local to the the south southeastern U.S. or south central U.S. had had just exploded, had gone way up, which more than made up for the enforced lack of attendance from from folks outside the U.S. So I'll be interested to see what happens next year with the folks from outside the U.S. coming back, I would imagine, in droves and see how much of the the local stuff they retain. Well, again, it was kind of spur of the moment. We did get a nice little room to set up in, thanks to Dave. Yes. And uh, we do appreciate that. And we'd hope to maybe meet up with uh, Terry Measley, from uh, scale model podcast, but we just didn't have time to put it together and uh, hunt him down. That was a cra- a crowded convention, man. It was tough to find people. Well, and then we spent a half hour trying to get a menu from the <laughs> yeah, well, bar, the bar server. Yeah, well, that too. And we're, we were on short time anyway. So yeah, next year though, I think uh, we need to make a little more uh, honest effort to get there and uh, let that roll out in a better better fashion. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I'm glad we went. I am too. 
I look forward to next year. Mike, do you have any shout outs for this episode? Well, I do. This episode of Plastic Model Mojo is brought to you by our long-term listener, Tim Cavalier, who has chosen to make a regular financial contribution to us through our PayPal link. And, And Tim, we really appreciate all your contributions along that avenue and as well as all your listener mail. Uh, Much appreciated. If anyone else would like to do that, you can go to PlasticModelMojo.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of the screen, you'll find a a heart icon that will uh, take you to our PayPal link to make uh, such a contribution. And it's it's gone a long way to help us get equipped for these uh, remote broadcasts and recordings. And by all means, if if you feel the need to do that, please do it. We much appreciate it. Yep. And man, I'll tell you what, all that equipment came in very handy. We couldn't have done that remote interview with Dave Hodge without that equipment. Well, we got it set up so quick. That's why you got one. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to, to shout out Dr. Strangebrush. Um, Dr. Miller is expanding his business model paint solutions. Uh, you can Google it. He provides great service. He's expanding into the AK Real Colors line. He's expanding into uh, more kits as well as airbrush and paint. I placed an order with him and his uh, service was fantastic. Uh, My M30 Russian field gun's on hold because I need AK White, uh, flat white to to do the chipping. Our, Our local hobby shop carries the AK Real Color sets, but he doesn't carry the entire rack. So I needed to pick up some some flat white and Dr. Strangebrush, uh, uh, with the help of uh, Jim Bates, got me some flat white. You got another? I do. I want to shout out to Tony at Horizon Models once again. Uh, he's helped us uh, ease into real space modeling. Yep. I'm anxious. And much appreciated. There's some fine kits and his, his deal is exceptional so again if you haven't taken advantage of it you've got until june 30th to get that order in and get that great deal on those mercury rockets you got another one well no i think that's the end for me man we've been doing this fairly long so it's gonna be a normal length episode so all right then dave so many kits so little time mike all right we'll see you next time see you